Psalms chapter 33. Psalms chapter 33. I'm going to start verse 8, and I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter. Psalm 33, Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded it, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Title of the message, of course, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open thy precious word. We thank you for the freedoms that we've had these 240 plus years of being able in our nation to freely preach the word of God, to assemble, to worship, to sing praise under the glorious name. Father, we pray today as we look into the word of God and as we examine ourselves in the light of scripture, help us to see the need of our nation. That we are on a path of judgment by Almighty God. But help us as your people to be salt and light, to understand that your counsel standeth forever. And we can trust in your promises. May you be glorified. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Your nation, without a doubt, was founded on the principles of the Word of God. Our founding fathers though they were not all Christians, were God-fearing men. Um, you know, if you read their writings, uh, you, you will come to those conclusions uh, very quickly. John Adams, in, uh, in a uh, commentary he wrote, titled A History of Dispute with America from Its Origin, in 1754 to the present time, he said this, quote, It is the duty of the clergy to accommodate their discourses to the times, to preach against such sins are uh, most prevalent. Hmm. That goes against a lot of what preachers do today. 
and recommends such virtues as are most wanted. For example, if exorbitant ambition and veniality are predominant, ought they not to warn their hearers against those vices? If public spirit is much wanted, should they not indicate this great virtue? If the rights and duties of Christian magistrates and subjects are disputed, should they not explain them, show them, show their nature, ends, limitations, and restrictions, how much soever it may move the gall of Massachusetts? Unquote. He said it doesn't matter what people think about it. They need to teach the word of God as it is. And of course, all of our finding fathers, you know, were, as I mentioned, were God-fearing men. But, you know, we have, as we look at our situation today and our nation, uh, I think if we, we, if you're going to examine it closely, you have to come to the conclusion that we are under the judgment of God. Uh, let me just give you some current problems that we see in our country. Uh, for at least seven decades, we've been pushing God out of America, out of public life. 1963, of course, we declared school prayer and Bible readings unconstitutional. According to the CDC, America has murdered 46 million babies since 1973. 46 million from 1970 to 2016. Uh, you know, God said to Cain, Genesis 4.10, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. How about 50 million babies' voices crying from the ground? America's lost her moral compass. As of 2005, 4.8 million unmarried couples are living together. As of 2002, half of all women aged 15 to 45, 44 have lived unmarried with a partner. 2018, there are 8.5 million unmarried opposite-sex couples living together. Um, According to the estimates from 2019 Current Population Survey, there are 543,000 same-sex married coupled households and 469,000 households with same-sex unmarried partners living together. Approximately... $13 $13 billion was spent in the United States on pornography every year. Uh, America's covetous. Of course, our debt is 24, over $25 trillion. And um, we worship the almighty dollar. Uh, one of the great, great idolatrous things of America is... is uh, Sports. Over the past year, Americans spent $100 billion on sports. Half of it on sporting events. Market Watch, September 12, 2017, says they spent $56 million on attending sporting events, including tickets, transportation, food, and beverages, according to a survey which sampled over 1,000 adults. Next biggest expenditure was sports equipment, which Americans spent $33 billion, and then gym memberships, $19 $19 billion for a total of $100 billion spent on sports in America. And most of them are not are a bunch of anti-American thugs. 
you know that's not a real problem. That's not the worst problem. That's not the root of our problem. Although that's a problem. The problem is described for us in Hosea chapter 4, and that's in the white pages of your Bible. Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter 4 and verses 1 through 12. You know, we are not much different than the children of Israel. In many ways, we're just like them. Hosea 4, prophet Hosea says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And I would say that's the biggest problem in our nation, is there's no mercy, there's no truth, there's a lack of mercy, and because there's a lack of knowledge of God. And not because it's not available, it's because we don't want it. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery and break out, they break out and blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn everyone that dwelleth there and shall languish with the beasts of the field, with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea all shall, shall be taken. By the way, man's sin affects animal life. Yet let no man strive nor reprove one another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore... Shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. You know what you see here is not only the people have rejected knowledge of God, the priests have also. And it's the same in our country. And I'll give you some examples here in a minute. Uh, as they were increased, verse 7, so they sinned against me, therefore I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, they set their heart on their iniquity, and there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for the doings. For they shall eat and not have enough, they shall commit whoredom, shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stocks. In other words, sticks of wood. That's where they're going for counsel, the sticks of wood. In other words, idols made of wood. And their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they go on a whoring from under their God. They sacrifice under the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under their oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom, your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters, for then they commit whoredom, nor your spouses, and they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with the whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. You know, we, we worship at everything but God. We ask counsel, but not of God. That's America. I was listening to one of the major talk shows on Friday, in America on Friday. And he, the host of the show, was talking to, I think it was a lady that works for him on Friday. And this is what she said. She had been to her church, and her pastor just a wonderful guy. And, she, and they were talking about all this stuff that's going on, and, you know, in a, in a book that he's written. And she said this phrase, quote, we are all the children of God. We're all brothers and sisters. We just need to love one another. 
My Bible says in Galatians 3.26, you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. We are not all the children of God. But this is the thing that pastors are saying. And you wonder why we got problems in America? George Washington, 1789, inaugural address said, quote, The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself hath ordained. Unquote. We've disregarded the order of the home. That's man leadership. God made a help meet for him, not a co-worker. He never intended for the wife to be a co-worker. To share equal in his labor to provide. No, to provide. no that wasn't what God intended. It was a help meet or fit for him. She used to be a keeper at home. You know, women's live has, 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 you know, promoted that everyone is equal. There's no head of the home. There's this 50-50 agreement. And that is confusion. And that's one of the, the things that has destroyed our homes in America. Probably one of the leading causes. And with it comes the rise of homosexuality because of domineering women wanting soft men. Men are not designed to be soft. They're designed to lead and to rule. That was God's design, is for men to rule the home and to rule in government. You say, well, you're kind of radical. Yeah, I am. I don't think women should vote. See, that's, you know, do you realize that if women didn't vote, we wouldn't have any problems electing conservatives? Because women tend to vote with their feelings. Because women, God made women emotional creatures. For us. Not to lead. Anyway. You know, the Bible says the husband is still the head of the wife. 1 Timothy 5.14 says, I will fare that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give them none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Titus 2, 4, and 5. They may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, keep chaste, keepers at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. We've disregarded God's design for a sexual relationship. Just don't get married. Open marriages. Swingers. Even so-called Christian swingers. Same-sex relationships. That and I don't understand. See, how do they justify that? You know, they, they have the, there's, this, there's groups called Christian, quote, Christian swingers, unquote. Here's how you justify it. They did an interview with one. And this is what he said. Quote, we have a faith that's built on a relationship with Jesus, not a bunch of rules. I'd like to look at it like this. When you grow up in church, someone else is constructing your faith. Then real life occurs, and something doesn't make sense, and you have to give yourself permission to deconstruct your faith. 
we've reconstructed our faith based on what we believe are fundamental aspects of Christianity, not how some governing body or church or some book told us to believe. Unquote. That's like going to the, what did Hosea say? What do you call it? The sticks of wood? Going to a tree and get your faith. So it doesn't matter, there's no authority, it's just whatever you decide is right for you. We're back to the book of Judges. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. That's how they justify it. Well, Genesis 2.24 says, still says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, not his husband. And they shall be one flesh. That's where that, that sexual relationship to be is in the marriage bond. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And... Verses 1 through 5. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. In other words, don't touch, man shouldn't touch women that are not his wife. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due to benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband, not to some other man or to some other woman. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency or your lack of self-control. So, you know, a wife is to give herself to her husband, to her husband only, and a husband is to give himself to his wife and to his wife only, not some other's wife or husband. Thomas Jefferson said, quote, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice will not sleep forever. Unquote. Revelation 6, 9 and 10 says, And when he'd opened the fifth seal, I saw unto the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood and them that dwell on the earth? And I think of the nearly 50 million babies that have been sacrificed on the altar of pleasure, of convenience, murdered through abortion, crying before God, saying, How long? How long dost thou avenge our blood? See, our founding fathers understood that for a nation to continue, our kind of nation to continue, it must have virtuous people. Again, John Adams, on June 21st, 1776, said this, 
Quote, statesmen, my dear sir, may plan and speculate for liberty, but it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation of a free constitution is pure virtue. And if this cannot be inspired into our people in greater measure than they have it now, they may change their rulers and their form of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. Unquote. He said also, private, quote, private and public virtue is the only foundation of republics, unquote. And our nation was founded a republic, not a democracy. Democracy is the rule of the mobs, and that's what we're getting. That's what's happening right now before our very eyes, the rule of the mob. A republic has laws, and it's by the people for the people. It's representation. But again, the real root of our problem is in our churches. Churches have become places of accommodation, seeker-friendly, non-offensive, tolerant of evil. You know, what is a seeker-friendly church? And our church is supposed to be seeker-friendly? You know, a seeker-friendly church is defined as uh, unbelievers who visit, being friendly toward seekers or unbelievers who visit the church. Uh, and of course, this has been a fast-growing trend in the, since the 70s. And so these churches, they, 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 they use aspects that are simply related to music styles, casual clothing. Um, they don't want to offend people, so they've removed their crosses, steeples, sanctuaries. Others have removed communion services, uh, and, you know, and, and, and they've shifted to, instead of preaching, they've gone to videos, drama, and arts. And elements of secular programming for the purpose of evangelism. And what happens is, one writer said this, what happens is, quote, further the emphasis on appealing to the unchurched can turn the church's focus toward a consumer mentality. If the goal is providing something to make the consumer a happy customer, then the church changes from its important role as God's pillar of truth to another business based on human principles, unquote. You see, it's based on felt needs of the unchurched and not what real needs are. Here's a quotation from John, Pastor John Fuller. And this is what he said. Quote, your journey with Jesus starts by admitting your work in progress. And continues when you are willing to stay there. Were you a work in progress? That's a works religion. Now the Bible says in Isaiah 58, 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. You see, the problem is in our churches, as uh, 
the French statement, statesman Alexis de Tocqueville said, The problem is our churches have turned away from the truth and turned to fables. De Tocqueville said this in his writings. Uh, he came to visit the States in, uh, um, beginning in 1831 toward America. And he says this, Upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention, and the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences rewarding from this new state of things. In France, I had almost always seen the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom marching in opposite directions. But in America, I found they were intimately united and that they reigned in common over the same country. Religion in America must be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country, for it does not impart a taste for freedom, it facilitates the use of it. Indeed, it is the same point of view that the inhabitants of the United States themselves look upon religious belief. I don't know whether all Americans have a sincere faith in their religion, for who can search the human heart? But I am certain that they hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of republican institutions. The opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. Unquote. He goes on and says, quote, I do not question that the great austerity of manners that is observable in the United States arises in the first instance from religious faith. Its influence over the mind of Women is supreme, and women are the protectors of morals. There is certainly no country in the world where the tie of marriage is more respected than in America, or where conjugal happiness is more highly or worthily appreciated. Unquote. And of course, that has been greatly destroyed. But you know... So we think about all this, you know, and then of course the the uh, national debt, Marxist riots in the streets, uh, citizens who defend their private property are mocked. But Psalm nine seventeen says, "The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations forget God." Look at Leviticus chapter 26 for a minute. Leviticus 26. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 25. And Leviticus 26 is about what's going to happen to Israel. God's warning Israel what's going to happen to them if they uh, forsake him. And, uh, And I believe this is true of our country as well. But in Leviticus 26, 25, it says, that I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. Uh, also, 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon was praying at the dedication of the temple that he had just built, 
In verse 31, he says, If any man trespass against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to cause him to swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou in heaven, and do, and judge thy servants, condemning the wicked to bring his way upon his head, justifying the righteous to give him according to his righteousness. When thy people Israel be smitten down for the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall turn again to thee, and confess thy name, and pray, and make supplication to thee in this house, then hear thou in heaven, forgive the sin of thy people Israel, Bring them again unto the land which thou gavest unto their fathers. When heaven is shut up, and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, if they pray toward this place, and confess thy name, and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy servants, and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk, and give rain upon the land which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. If there be a famine, be famine in the, in the land famine, if there be pestilence, that's what COVID-19 is, is pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillars, if there any besiege them in the land of their cities. You know, we got people besieging us in their own cities. Whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all the people of Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands toward this house. Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. You know, Jesus warned his seven churches in the book of Revelation that they needed to repent, for he would remove thy candlestick. In the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, he, his judgment began with the sanctuary. That's the house of God. Ezekiel 9, 6, he said, Slay utterly, old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and beginning at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house, the house of God. Why? Because they had defiled the house of God. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And at first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? It seems to be the pattern in Scripture that God starts His judgment with His own people first. Because therein lies the root of the problem. You see, the reason our nation was formed as it was because of the condition of the people that were prevalent in our nation at the time. The largest religious body in America at the time of the war for independence was independent Baptists. And we have them to thank. We have them to thank for our Bill of Rights. They were the ones that pushed for a Bill of Rights to be added to our Constitution, which gives you freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, and the right to bear arms. They petitioned. They petitioned James Madison. John Leland was a Baptist preacher in Virginia at the time. Him and some others met with, with James Madison and secure from him a promise to push strongly for a Bill of Rights added to the Constitution. Or, 
John Leland was going to run against James Madison. And with the population of Baptists in his county and area at that time, it was very likely that John Leland would have won the election. You see, the largest group of people in America's time was independent Baptists. But you know, independent Baptists have compromised. A lot of them have gone contemporary. What is the solution? Well, we know this. Our solution is not in Washington. It's not in Washington. So what is the solution? Well, look at, look at verse, go to, go to our text, Psalm 33, verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> Psalm 33, verses 16 and 17. It says, There is no king saved by the multitude of an host, and mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Our hope is not in the White House, it's not in President Trump or his administration. You know, I appreciate things he has done, but he's not our hope. It's not our hope. Our hope is the Lord. Notice again, there is no king saved by a multitude of an host. It doesn't matter if the majority of people in America are for Trump or not. That doesn't mean he's going to win the election, and that doesn't mean that things are going to turn around. If we as a nation don't turn back to God, things are not going to turn around. They're only going to get worse. Because blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. That's still true of nations. We ought not to be looking for government help. In fact, we are the government. By the people, for the people. If you wonder why government is so corrupt, look around America. It's because people are corrupt. And the more corrupt we are, the more laws we're going to need to restrain that corruption until it all blows up. Now, we need to understand that it is the Lord builds the house. And except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so we need to humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God and realize that and accept the fact that it is God. It's not our leaders. It's not our government. So we have to humble ourselves. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, 
it, it, you know, it's often text often used, Second Chronicles 7.14, My people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then shall I turn from the wicked ways, and turn from the wicked ways, then shall they hear from heaven, forgive their sin. You're sad to say, I think it's like Bob Mitchell said in his last prayer letter, or maybe the one before, after the COVID-19 thing started, he said, I see a lot of hysteria and a lot of fear, but what I do not see is repentance toward God. So there has to be a, we have to realize our hope is not in the, in, in the, uh, our government. Our hope is in the Lord. But we also have to understand that God's promises will not change. You know, I, I realize this isn't a, a, uh, uh, a skyscraper message that's going to come, come away feeling real great about the condition of our nation. But we do have to understand that God's promises won't change. Look at verses 10 and 11. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generation. See, the Lord's going to bring all this counsel of the heathen to naught in his time. See, the counsel of the heathen today is that, you know, and the progressives is that we need to create this everybody's equal society, this communal type living, and we'll all live in this utopia where we all get along, we're all all equal and all that, and it just sounds so good. But does that ever become a reality? I mean, many nations have tried it. China, North Korea, Venezuela, just to name a few, have all tried it. And it comes to not. It just comes to worse poverty, worse misery, more poor people. And what you have is a, a class of extreme rich, and the rest of them are peasants. Why? Because it violates the principles of Scripture that man is a sinner. See, we understand that we cannot change truth to fit our own wants and desires. Fact. John 12, 46 to 48 says, I am come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that rejudgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It doesn't matter what you think. You're going to be judged by the word of God. And your counsel is going to come to naught. 1 John 5.11 says, This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. The word record there is, is, a, is, a, is a legal term, or in a legal sense, of testimony for the judge. This is the record by which we are going to be judged. God's counsel will stand forever. 
And if you violate that counsel, you're going to be judged by it. Well, I just don't feel. doesn't matter what you feel. Facts are facts. And so, I guess in conclusion, what we need to, what we say is this. How do we apply this? We have to humble ourselves before God and realize our sin. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. See, we need to humble ourselves before God. Seek his face, seek his mercy and protection. Seek his approval, not the approval of others or some movement. Look at Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. You see, we need to seek his approval. As individuals, as churches and as a nation. Otherwise, the council is going to come to naught. Our nation will come to naught. You know, many of these churches that start out seeker-friendly are no more. They're no more. That idea is kind of fading. They don't last because it wasn't built on truth. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. And you know, we need to ask ourselves this question. So I've asked myself, what is our proper response to all this? We take up arms and fight? I really don't think that's going to work. Conditions in our country are not like they were in the war for independence. America is a sinking ship. Much as I hate to admit it, it's a sinking ship. But you don't have to sink with it. We just need to keep our eyes on the Lord and fear Him and trust Him and be a witness and a testimony that those we come in contact we're not here to save the world. 
We're here to be a witness. Seed sowers. Seeking to save those that will hear and repent. Not all are going to hear. Not all are going to hear. We just need to be faithful and witness to those who will hear. We need to pray for our nation. I don't think we should just turn over, you know, roll over and play dead. We need to pray for our nation. We also need to pray for wisdom to be a witness. And stand for what is right and true. Trusting in the Lord, looking for His soon return. Yes, I love America. And it grieves me. But you know, America is not spoken of in prophecy. But we are. And we just need to be faithful. We're not here to save America. We're here to save souls that live in America. By the way, that's how the nation actually came into being. It was preachers preached the gospel and souls were saved and affected the country. That's how it works. That's how it works. One soul at a time. Say that take a long time. Yeah? Maybe. But that's how it works. Might the Lord help us to be faithful. To be a witness and a testimony for Him. Knowing that our Lord is coming. His counsel will stand forever. We can trust Him. Even through this time.